You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition. Now, Federal has come out with a new turkey load called the Heavyweight TSS or the Heavyweight Tungsten Super Shot. Now, this is a tungsten alloy material and it's 18 grams per cubic centimeter density now what this means is it is it's 22 percent higher than standard tungsten and 56 percent higher than lead so it is a a very dense material and it has the ability to travel at high velocities and continue that velocity at longer distances it has deadly patterning and it also has something called flight control flex and that is when that rear braking wad performs flawlessly through ported and standard turkey chokes so if you want to find out more information about the heavyweight tungsten super shot visit federalpremium.com and while you're there don't forget to check out their podcast and their blogs tons of great content Well, how the hell are you, everyone? And welcome to another Nine Finger Chronicles podcast episode brought to you by Vortex Optics. Today is a straight up BS session with my new friend Bob Polanik, and we talk about everything. I'm not even going to try to uh, sum it down for you because we talk about Western hunting. We talk about whitetails. We talk about Turkey. We talk about gear. We talk about, uh, my nickname in elementary school. I call him a slap dick. Uh, it's just a, it's just a overall really good episode. Like when two dudes just sit and talk at Turkey camp or at deer camp or really any, any time when a when people get caught up with each other. But that's what today's episode is a good old fashioned BS session. And I'm going to just keep this intro short, but you know, we got to do a commercial. And today that commercial is lone wolf tree stands. If you want to find out information first off about the, the stands, right? You need to go to lone wolf hunting products.com and check out all of their tree stands. I am a huge fan of mobile hunting and I cut my teeth mobile hunting with lone wolf portable tree stands and uh, go to lone wolf hunting products.com. Check them out. I'm a huge fan of the assault and the assault is their smaller model with four sticks. So I take the assault, I take four sticks and that gets me anywhere I need to go. It gets me in any tree and it gets me at a relatively really good height that allows me to, you know, be flexible whether I need to get really high or I can stay low so I'm not uh soloed or uh, uh silhouetted, I guess you could say. And uh, you know, if you're thinking about getting mobile and being mobile, the first place you need to look is Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands, LoneWolfHuntingProducts.com. And then the last thing that I want to talk about is a discount code. If you want to find, if you want to save $50 on all orders over $200, enter the discount code. I better look it up here so I got it right. It is 9FC50. 9FC50, and you're going to save. 
what is it? Uh, $50 on all orders over $200. So if you buy an assault, that's like uh, $220. So you're going to be saving 50 bucks. So now you're buying a tree stand for whatever that math is. So it's uh, it's like 20% savings, man. So uh, check it out at lonewolfhuntingproducts.com. There's the commercial. Badass tree stand. Now let's get into the BS session with my co-host, Co- co-host of sorts, Bob Planick. In three, two, one. All right, back for another BS session, my buddy. He's no slap dick, Mr. Bob, <laughs> Mr. Bob Planick. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I can't believe that's how you uh, just started this off. <laughs> you got to go for the home run right out of the gate. Absolutely. Is that, do you use that because that's something, did I say that to you one time? Yeah. This this was this, this past year at the ATA show, we were talking in the hotel room and you, you said to me, Dan, just want to let you know, I'm no slap dick. Mm. Mm. And I, I think I'm going to, that's like now you're, that, that's who you are. You're not a slap dick. And I think, I, I just thought I that was hilarious. That. I just thought it was hilarious the way you presented yourself the first time that we met. And I feel like that's how, how I should introduce you from now on. I, I, yeah, that must have been after a couple beers. <laughs> <laughs> Normally when I introduce myself, I just say, hi, my name's Bob. You know, yeah. I just go with the simple. A lot of times, actually, I'll say, um, hi, my name's Bob, uh, forwards and backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and then if, I have, if I've had a couple beers, I've also done the whole... Um, yeah, my parents, my full name's Robert, but my parents shortened it to Bob because they knew I was going to have have problems <laughs> have with problems. a longer name. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't smart enough to be a Robert. They had, to, they had to dumb it down for me. So when I was in school, I would get pissed for, well, first off, some, some teachers uh, would call me Danny. And mm-hmm. my dad literally walked into a classroom one time and said, my my kid's name is either Dan or Daniel. It is never Danny. Do you understand? <laughs> like, have you seen the movie Uncle Buck where Uncle Buck like walked into the, oh, the classroom and yeah. just is just a robe? My dad wasn't in a robe, but he walked into a classroom and it was in elementary school. I can still remember it. And he told the teacher, it is not Danny. It is Dan or Daniel. Do you understand? And I guess the teacher was like, okay, I get it. It's it's not Danny. Um, And then also in elementary, you know, your name frontwards and backwards is Bob. My name is Dan. And then backwards is Nad. And I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know why. But I got made. People picked on me and called me Nad. And I guess that's what you used to call balls back in the day. Oh, my Nads hurt. Yeah, (laughs) I got kicked in the Nads. I got kicked in the Nads. (laughs) (laughs) And so they would call me Nad and I would get pissed. I was like, don't call me Nad. My name's Dan. And then, you know, elementary school stuff. So, oh, yeah, that's good stuff. Oh, yeah. They'd get me out on Foursquare and they'd be like, gotcha, Nad. Like, get out of here, especially the older kids. And then I got bigger than them. So, yep. Yep. So oh, that's good stuff. Good. Uh, that's a good way to start off, man. I know. I know. So let's see here. Uh, I don't know. I saw a, a a meme on Instagram, and it says, "Do you even turkey hunt, bro?" And so I I felt like that's the first question I wanted to ask you today is Bob Planick. Do you even turkey hunt, bro? I do. Not a lot, but I do. I have killed one Jake, and uh, it's actually. It was pretty comical. My buddy, um, he took me to turkey hunting for the first time two years ago. And we don't really have it on video. The camera was rolling. But um, he called in a bunch of toms for me. Uh, they didn't come into into range. And then uh, a bunch of jigs came through. And I shot one. And on video, 10 seconds tick by between me shooting one, passing the shotgun to him, and him shooting one. <laughs> <laughs> those are the best yeah the 10 second 10 second double up so that was uh that was my first ever turkey hunt so i haven't haven't been back since and uh i don't know they've been tom's been going nuts around me lately but um my tag for michigan is not till doesn't start till may 1st yeah so shotgun 
Uh, I'll probably mess around with the bow because for the whole month of May. I gotcha. So, and yeah, I'll, I'll probably yeah, definitely just mess around with a bow. And I don't know. There's people that seem to think that it's unethical to try to kill them with a bow. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. And they're just like, all you're going to, all you're going to do is wound them. There's a much better offering out there. And it's, uh, and it's, you know, a shotgun, a shotgun's going to kill. Yeah, I agree. But I just don't feel like people are just wounding thousands of turkeys across the nation every year because they choose to bow hunt. Right. And I've been, I've been practicing and whatnot. So I feel, feel like the, any unethical part of it, I'm trying to eliminate, you know, just like deer hunting, doing your due diligence with your bow, practicing, being a good shot. So, right. And it's not like I'm, I'm not going to slap a, a guillotine on there and try to <laughs> chop their know, heads off. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That, those commercials when they first came out now, I, you know, I grew up on a farm, so I didn't like to see a cow or a chicken or a pig get killed for its meat. You know, I'm pretty Mm -hmm. desensitized to that. But when the guillotine came out and those first videos of just these heads popping off these turkeys, I, I, even I was like, Ooh, whoa, like shock and awe type marketing. Right. Oh yeah. No, I mean. I think those things don't really fly that accurately. Like you're good out to maybe 20 yards from, from what I've heard. I've never shot one out of my bow, but they just don't look like they fly that well. I don't know. So I don't know either. Well, uh, yeah. Turkey hunting has been kind of weird for me this year. I, I bought an archery tag because I knew I couldn't dedicate X number of days in a row this year. Like we usually do for, uh, Let's say if I got a shotgun tag, typically we have a a little turkey camp. My mom watches the kids and me and my wife go out and we have like four straight days of turkey hunting available to us. And, you know, in in that amount of time, I'm I'm pretty confident that, you know, pretty confident that one of us will have an encounter with a shotgun, you know, and there's been years where we both have. But this year, because we can't go to turkey camp because my mom's a nurse. And so she's dealing with COVID-19 patients all the time now, or, or yeah. it's, it's been in their hospital. And she's like, no, I don't feel comfortable with the kids coming to my place this year. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. So I bought a archery tag and an archery tag in Iowa lasts the entire length of all the seasons. So I can go out whenever I want in that season. So the first two days I went out, the first day was me and my daughter. So I, I brought the camera. I bought, brought my bow and then I'm carrying, like, I felt like I was packing out a mule deer on my back, just walking in and out of the blind because of all the extra stuff that you have to take for a kid, like extra blankets, snacks, extra water, toilet paper, like all this, all these just in case type things. And then the next day I went out and, uh, I took my, uh, I went to the blind for a little bit. Then I got a text from my wife. Oh, Mackie wants to come so I, I got out of the blind early and I went but man the turkeys just haven't been gobbling like they have in the past I don't I don't know if it's due to low numbers which I've heard you know if I if I had to guess it's low numbers uh, they're, like five years ago man I can just remember turkeys going absolutely crazy uh, on some of these mornings and, and this year it's just like I've heard gobbles but way way less this year than I ever have in the past. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure what that is, but I've talked to a a wildlife biologist here in Iowa and he's saying that, yeah, the Turkey populations are definitely on the decline. Okay. I've got a buddy in, um, yeah, central Michigan that is big into Turkey hunting and he's, um, he's always said the same thing, you know, turkeys, they just, they ebb and flow. And he kind of said, it's on a, it seems to him that it's on a five to seven year cycle. So like they kind of, you know, boom and bust. I, I have no idea what type of research he has. I'm just letting you know that for, yeah for whatever reason, I've heard a, a common, um, opinion on that, I guess. Yeah. So I know in Nebraska where I, where I deer hunt, there's just, there's tons of turkeys. It's, I mean, every morning, the first couple mornings you're out there, um, cause where I hunt in Michigan, I don't really have a lot of turkeys so they're not coming down out of the roost and in nebraska the first morning every year it just terrifies you the, like when they're all coming out of the roost and you're not used to turkeys flying down 
so because they're so dang loud yeah but, yeah there's there's tons out there but um real quick so iowa does you can literally buy an archery turkey tag or a shotgun turkey tag yes gotcha that is different than michigan as far as i know i think michigan's just you buy a turkey tag there's a couple different seasons there's like uh early seasons that you apply for and there's a statewide which is all a may which is what i have but i don't think it's weapon specific yeah so each we have three seasons uh, three shotgun seasons, so it's like uh, five. Each season's like five days or something like that, five or six days. And then the fourth season is a really long one, and that's most of the time. It's because the turkeys are not as aggressive as they are in the early parts of the in, in the early parts of the season. So there's four shotgun seasons, and then the archery season is the same amount of time as the shotgun seasons, but it's just a different tag. And you can bow hunt throughout that entire that entire time frame. Gotcha. So the, the gotcha. only reason I bought my archery tag this year was because I, it, I didn't know when I was going to be able to get out because of the kids, because of my wife's right. work. So I decided to buy the archery tag so I could bounce around longer and have more options throughout, you know, the entire season. So I'll go out tomorrow morning, which we're recording this on a Friday, but I'll go out on Saturday morning. I'll go out on Sunday morning. And uh, I got, I already have a blind set up. All I got to do is take the decoys, set them up and I'm in a decent spot, but, um, I just, uh, oh, by the way, <laughs> my wife or my, uh, my daughter, she's like, okay, dad, I'm ready to go. And as we're stepping out of the blind and I'm throwing all the stuff out the window and putting her out the window, I look down in the bottom of the field where they sometimes pitch down into, and there's, there stands a Tom. He's not in strut or anything, but he, you know, turkeys just, I love a turkey's reaction because they go, whoop, I'm out of yeah. here. And then they turn around, they, there's that split second. And then they just, I'm out. And then he just turned around and ran away. So, uh, yeah, that was the only encounter we had. But like I said, man, just like the gobbles aren't there. And when they are gobbling, they, once they hit the ground, it's over. They're not gobbling from the ground like they usually do. That, And that's only from two days worth of experience. But uh, I'm going to get out this weekend and give them another, give them another go at it, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah, I am. Um... So Michigan, where I'm at, there was, there's two different week long early seasons. One was this week. It was Saturday to Saturday. And then the second week starts April 25th, which is tomorrow. And that goes till May 1st. And um, I actually had that tag, but the DNR sent out an email and was like, well, because of COVID-19, if you don't want to travel, blah, blah, blah. Because the week-long hunts are unit-specific. I got gotcha. um, you. Know, like, if you don't want to travel and this and that, you can turn your unit-specific tag into the statewide. And on that day that I got that email, it was snowing at my house. And <laughs> I was like, yep, I will postpone this because I don't feel like sitting out. I mean, it's still cold in northern Michigan where I'm at. I mean... So, yeah, I, I have no problem getting out and, you know, I go fishing, it's cold. I've got no problem being in the cold weather. I've got all the cold weather gear. But when it comes to springtime turkey hunting, I just want to be comfortable. There's something to be said about sitting out in the morning and, you know, just every day it's just getting greener and greener and greener. And that's just not really happening where I'm at. So, anyway, yeah, I switched it to the statewide and the uh month-long hunt to kind of give myself an opportunity and and my to get my wife out too when it's a little warmer yeah and got a whole month to play around with it so how how has the steelhead fishing been going for you pretty much over with man um i think i went about 10 days ago kind of deemed it my last trip i went with my wife we did pretty good we landed five and we lost we hooked 15 we landed five so is that normal um, Yes and no. Depends on the method that you're using. I was fishing with, um, you literally just have a bead on your line and you have a hook like two inches below it and they bite the bead and you set the hook, you know, you have, it's like, it's on a, a bobber system. Uh, your bobber goes down when they bite the bead and you set and you're kind of trying to like kind of gaff them with that hook. Sometimes though, when they, when they 
swallow the bead, they swallow the hook too, and you get the hook inside the mouth. Um, but a lot of times that hook catches them on the outside of the mouth and you can just have a poor hookup with them. So you fight them for 20, 30 seconds and uh, they spit the hook or they'll, this time of year, they're pretty hot just because water's in the 40s, which is like ideal temperatures for them to like fight for a long time. Um, they don't get as exhausted as quick and um, they'll put you on snags. I mean, the rivers, our rivers flow through nat- like uh, national forest and it's, I mean, there's just down, there's log jams everywhere. I so, gotcha. How, yeah. how big is the river that you're fishing so, on? The main river I fish is the Pure Marquette River. Um, most spots, 20 to 30 yards wide. Okay, so not huge. So, no, no, not at all. Gotcha. Most times, yeah, most times when you're when you're fishing a hole, you can't typically see more than 50 yards upstream and 50 or 60 yards downstream, depending on where you're at. It's just real windy and bendy and stuff like that. So it's it's beautiful, but it's just um, it's definitely rated as one of the more unforgiving rivers as far as losing fish to logs and snags and stuff like that. So, are there um, any other species of fish in that river other than the steelhead that you guys go after? Yep. So there's trout. There's brown trout, rainbow trout. Um, this time of year, you get a run of like suckers that come up. Um, so in the lower portions of a lot of rivers, you'll get um, pretty big northern pike that come up. Okay. I've seen. I've been in the bottom sections of some rivers, and I've seen legit, you know, thirty-five to forty-inch northern pike, and it's. I mean, it looks like a torpedo swimming around. <laughs> so it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. But, um, what yeah, about like smallmouth? Some rivers, yep, we get they get a smallmouth run. Not you don't typically run into those until may june okay. i think so i don't know you know up here i don't in northern michigan the rivers i fish i don't see a lot of smallmouth it's just they stay a little cooler so you get a lot of, it's just really good trout fishing basically once uh end of april may comes got you so steelhead run usually is winding down by the end of april okay so because they're they're migratory fish so they they live in the great lakes and then they swim up all the rivers to spawn yeah yeah all right so your spring are you a mushroom hunter at all i am dude i I love mushroom hunting and it the temperature here is getting close i'm i'm guessing that if i go out tomorrow if the temperature stays above i'm saying in the next four days four or five days they should be coming up because in the southern part of the state um guys are finding them already so i think we need like three three more days left three more days of a little bit warmer temperature and they should be popping here pretty soon. Yep. We're, uh, we're probably a week or two out still. I know there's been a couple very small blacks found, um, in the County that I'm in, but, um, again, it's been really cold. So normally, uh, yeah, beginning of May is good for blacks. And then dude, last year I found like two or three pounds of whites in my yard um in june morels yep okay yep in june i was in june i was mowing my lawn and i hit one (laughs) i was like okay so i got off the mower and next thing i know dude there's just white morels everywhere (laughs) so i came in the house with my shirt loaded and my wife was like you didn't come and get me and i was like i couldn't (laughs) couldn't do it right they they were scattering Mm -hmm. so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pr- try to get out and get some mushrooms because I don't know about you, but I I love eating morels, uh, and then I've also recently started collecting another mushroom called the pheasant back. It's kind of it's a shelf mushroom that grows on dead wood and stuff, and if okay. you get the smaller ones, and the reason they call it a pheasant back because it actually looks like the back of a hen pheasant. The, the 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 pattern kind of looks like uh, feathers so okay. any, anyway if you get them small enough they're real tender and i've chopped them up and i've added them in with like fettuccine alfredo it's it's really good i i think nice. they're really good the sm- the bigger they get then it's kind of uh really chewy and, and harder to cook but if you get a small one man they're uh they're pretty good i'm not gonna lie but but you add that with some morels and some venison man ooh yeah 
I'm starting to get hungry right now. I think I might set out some uh, some meat for this weekend. There you go. That, yeah, that sounds good. We do a lot of, um, like, so when we go trout fishing in May, um, we do a lot of morel Swiss burgers, and those are yes. those are fantastic. Yes. So a little river lunch. Sometimes you can even pick them fresh off the side of the river, depending on where you're at. There's some yeah. little hot, little honey holes I know about, but yeah. So. Yeah. My then, fa- yeah, I do. Go ahead. I was just going to say my favorite, my favorite type of year is, this happened a couple of years ago, where the weather is perfect in the turkey during the turkey hunting season so me and my wife were actually out turkey hunting the gobbles slow down and we start looking for mushrooms and uh, you know find a mess of mushrooms cook them up that night with whatever we decide to eat and uh, that's the best but in the in the last couple of years I feel like it's been turkey season then it's been mushroom season never at the same time right right um yeah, it's. I would say yeah, once I start turkey hunting in May, I will not be surprised if we start stumbling upon morels here and there. So, um, but no, other than that, I've been doing. I probably put on thirty to forty miles of just spring scouting, looking for sheds, and just typical spring scouting. You know, do a lot. I, I think you know I do a lot of out of state hunting, and my mindset is kind of twofold. One, um, with this whole virus thing i don't i don't think fall out-of-state hunts are gonna get canceled like non-resident uh tags will be canceled but if they are i want to make sure that i'm prepared to hunt the state of michigan um you know more much more heavily than i've ever hunted it well than i've hunted it in the past five six years since i started doing out-of-state trips so and then on top of that yeah just trying to find sheds i have not found a shed yet in your uh, life? Like I, uh, no, just this year. Oh, just this year. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. um, is it, is it just because the deer aren't wintering on the properties that you hunt? No, I dude, it's, it's just Northern Michigan. I say that all the time. We have plenty of deer, but it's just, I don't know. I have, I have found some incredible buck bed locations. Um, I have found more sign and I've gained more knowledge this spring than I ever have just by putting on the miles finally. And, um, I just, I'm searching all the runs going to and from, um, you know, good bedding areas. There's just, there's deer shit everywhere. So, you know, they're wintering in there, but there's no, it's, it's just national forest. So there's no like one common, um, and major food source. I can't, you know, it's, it's all just natural browse. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't know. I've, I've never had good luck finding a lot of sheds in Northern Michigan. Um, I don't really know a lot of people that have, unless they've got, you know, good, like ag, ag land around them or something like that. So, yeah. And I think that's the same for people who are hunting big woods, you know, anywhere, or like these giant pine stands in the South. If you find a shed, you're pretty much lucky because the people who are finding sheds are guys like me who are hunting big agriculture states right we have access to crp we have access to you know this typical bed to food pattern you know what i mean by that is thick bedding to ag field and the deer are hanging out in these ag fields or in this line back and forth to their bedding and it's just it's easier for me to find a shed than it would be for someone like you who all they're they're not necessarily on any pattern. They're just kind of going where the browse is throughout the entire year. Yep. Yep. Um, no, we were, my buddy and I, that I always do, um, like a Nebraska or Iowa hunt with, we had planned on going out to Iowa and Nebraska and shed hunting the farms that we bow hunt. But our trip was like March, 25th, 26th, something like that. It was right when all of like Michigan's stay at home orders got passed down and we were still going to go and we were just going to pitch tents on public land. And, um, our wives definitely said, no, nope. no, <laughs> <laughs> nope. I bet you they were more, it was more of a, no, you can't go because they couldn't go. Uh, no, they were straight up. I mean, they, they had to work or do whatever. We we had it all planned, you know. We had, yeah. it, you know, a, approved by the bosses. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, with the whole thing, they were they were nervous. I mean, my wife's a doctor, so she was like, you're going against, 
exactly what everyone's saying like, not to do. So in a way, but, I mean, if you're camping, right. I mean, is that a, is that a, uh, a valid defense? If, hey man, I'm not going to go into a hotel room. I'm going to be camping out of the back of my truck. I'm going to be bringing most of my food with me. The only place I'm really going to go is a gas station. Right. No, I sold it that way. I said, I've got gloves, you know, I've got hand sanitizer. Anytime we get gas, we'll just, we'll wear gloves, put hand sanitizer on the gloves, pump the gas, you know, take the gloves off. Yeah. I laid out this whole, like how I know how to use proper <laughs> PPE. And uh, it, it just, it nope. wasn't, it would, it would have been, it would have been a hell to pay if I would have gone. Yeah. It would have been just a blatant like disrespect to her wishes, which right. is, if you've been if you're married it's a big no-no yeah (laughs) (laughs) fact 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 um and last year when we were gonna go the flood hit yeah yeah that's right and you know it wasn't you know farms the farms in iowa that we were gonna hunt they weren't you know they weren't flooded out but like all sorts of highways and roads were washed out and we were like dude we can't go out there and knock on doors for permission to shed hunt people's property while they're in a state of emergency. Like you just yeah. want to like, Oh, Hey, I know your roads are washed out, but do you mind if I walk your property and look for sheds? <laughs> like I was like, if we're going to go out there, we should help people not, you know, try to shed hunt their property. So yeah, we ended up, we ended up doing neither. So right. Whatever. Right. Well, sounds like uh, your spring has been pretty active and it's con- going to continue to be active with some of the stuff you got going on. And uh, I'm excited to, you know, up here, the ponds, you know, the, the fish are starting to wake up as far as the, the bluegill and the, the crappie and bass and some of these farm plant ponds that we like to go fishing. And even the Mississippi river, I think, uh, um, this is kind of going to go against the whole self-isolation thing, but I guess it's not really self-isolation. <laughs> I, here I am defending, like trying to convince myself that what I'm, what I'm going to do is going to be okay. But my father-in-law, he's got a uh, a boat and we go up to the Mississippi river all the time. So we're going to be isolated, but I guess be isolated together if that makes sense. And, yeah. uh, you know, whatever, uh, and do some fishing on the Mississippi river probably in the next month or so. But, uh, I, I'm excited to go fishing. I'm just excited to go turkey hunting some more excited to find some mushrooms and, and do a little more scouting for the upcoming seasons as well. So, uh, my, my spring is, looking and the cool thing about this is you know i know that you guys are kind of in a hotbed state but i was talking to a guy out of montana uh yesterday and he told me like or i told him iowa and montana of all the places that you could be during this those two states are pretty low populated you know pretty small have a small smaller population than let's say like a michigan or a pennsylvania or any place out west even new york so I I still feel like I still feel isolated. You know what I mean? Like it it oh, yeah. I feel like we have the ability to go out into the country and go do something as opposed to, you know, stay in a house all day long. Right. I'm like yeah, I'm in northern Michigan. I've got thousands and thousands of acres of public land all around me. Um so I don't I get it's a, a stay home, stay safe thing. But like, yeah, no, if you're going to go walk around public land and look for sheds or, you know, just do some scouting, you're not hurting anything. Yeah. Like just, you don't have to, you don't have to stay home. Like just don't go be around people. Don't, you know, yeah. don't, sp- I don't know. There's a smart way to handle it. And then there's just, you know, com- there's just, then there's just blatant disregard for social distancing. And I don't know, you can be smart about it and, and not feel, not feel like you're breaking any rules. Right. So. Right. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to do a hard pivot and I need to vent on something and it, it, I don't know, maybe I'm overreacting and I want you to tell me if I'm overreacting or not, but so a while ago, you know, all those challenges started coming through Instagram, the push up challenge, the take a picture of your bow challenge, the uh, or go shoot your bow, take a picture of your dog, take a picture, you know, challenge the lat, your buddies to post the last five pictures that they have on their phone on or whatever. So I, I said to myself, everybody's doing these challenges. I'm going to try to do a challenge and I want to do a challenge that's actually going to matter and give back and, uh, do it for conservation. 
So I started this challenge, the cash for conservation challenge, and I put it together. I explained it. I challenged some people. They challenged a couple people. And then it really, that's where it stopped, right? It only went out one or two levels uh, worth of this, this challenge. And the, the whole challenge was cash for conservation. Uh, all these conservation banquets and fundraising events are being canceled due to the coronavirus. And a lot of these, uh, these uh, conservation organizations are losing money in a major way right now. So I started this, uh, I started this challenge and it just didn't go anywhere. Right. So I got, I got, I kind of took it personal. I kind of got pissed because thousands upon thousands of people are recording themselves doing push-ups, but nobody wants to give back to the natural resource that they take away from every single year. And it, it pisses me off. It pissed me off to the point where here I am bitching about it to you. Yeah. Vent, vent away. Yeah. Um, am I overreacting? Am I, am I taking it too personal or is it, should I know better? Should I know people when we, when I start talking about money and I even explain to it, dude, it doesn't have to be a hundred dollars. It can just be a dollar. Just find right. a way to give back financially to these fun, to these organizations who are straight up struggling right now. Yeah, I the, the, your 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 complaint is valid. Yeah, the only thing I see is that a time where unemployment skyrocketing, people don't know how safe their income is, stuff like that, mm -hmm. and then you start talking about money. I mean, I think people can just easily say, "Yep, no chance. I don't know what what you know the future is yeah. bringing." And maybe it was so, just poor timing on my part, but I feel it, it might. It might have been, and maybe if you revisit this whole thing, you know, in the summertime when things loosen up and people are starting to get back to work and stuff like that, it would take off. Yeah, but I, I agree. I agree. There's so we we got to be able, we got to do something because all those, all, like you said, all those um, associations are just they're they're big money makers. All got canceled. Yeah. So I mean, across the across the board. I mean, not yeah. even those just small companies in general, small hunting companies in general are just getting crushed. Yeah. So it's going to be an interesting next year or two to see who survived. I mean, there's tons of outfitters that are, you know, canceling oh, yeah. like whole guide season and stuff like that. So, Oh yeah. Uh, it'd be, it'd be very interesting. I think, I don't know. There, I, I'm wondering if there's going to be way less pressure on, you know, uh, states that are hotspots for, um, non-resident hunting you know uh i applied for my montana elk tag and i i got it um that from what i had heard the past couple of years it was like an 80 percent draw like success rate for the general elk tag for montana and i'm wondering this year if it's going to kind of go back to there being a bunch of leftover tags because you were due to apply on april 1st and that was right when all this stuff was happening. So there could have been people that forgot to apply. There could have been people that said, yep, it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's an expensive tag. It's a $915 tag. There's a lot of people that could probably say, nope, not this year. Don't know. Yeah. Don't know what the future is going to hold. I mean, that's a lot of money if you're all sudden laid off. Right. So, um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what's going to happen this year as far as, uh, you know, draw, you know, draw tags go and stuff like that and then yeah the, to apply for iowa uh opens may 2nd um me and a couple of buddies are applying and we're applying with one point and i feel pretty confident that we'll get it because i, I think that there's just going to be less applicants across the board yeah so yeah, yeah that's crazy that that would how about that for the guy who who you know historically the the number of what what's that window for Iowa? What do you mean? Like what's the window to apply? May first uh, to June first or something like that? Something like that, yeah. yeah. It's about a month. Long. About a month. So do they have up to date statistics of how many people actually applied? No, they sh they show you what the the amount of applicants from last year who drew successfully, like how many applicants drew successfully with one point two points three points how many people how many people applied and didn't get a tag stuff like that they give you a breakdown from 2019 but they don't 
there's no up-to-date information for 2020. Yeah, I think that would be crazy to have uh, real-time statistics on that to see right. if maybe it's like, well, hell, if I'm going to apply for Iowa and I know no one else or any state really, and I know you know a lot of people are going to cut back, then maybe I should tr- use that one point in a, uh, I guess, uh, my like one point in zone whatever would never get me there. But if I use it this year, it might get me there. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. Absolutely. So, yeah. so I just, hope, then, I just hope on the back end, it doesn't hurt people. Like if a whole bunch of people quit, let's say for elk, uh, elk hunting, I'm going to probably cash in my Wyoming points next year. And all of a sudden it's just flooded and there's this huge point creep all of a sudden, because now there's one year of people, who had planned to do a whole bunch of things, but now they have to put it off for one year and then it's just, it just doubles or whatever. Yeah. I I think, um, I think Montana and maybe even Idaho will be pretty good indicators and we'll get that information out in the summer. So, so Montana for the longest time, it was, you would apply and pretty much everyone that applied got their tag. And then, uh, I don't know when, maybe it was, maybe it was June, July, sometime in the summer, all the leftover tags become available. And for the longest time, you know, 2014, 15, 16, when I would first start going out there, um, I wouldn't buy my tag until August because there'd be two or 3,000 leftover tags. Um, it was only until like 2017, 18, 19 that you had to plan on drawing and there was no leftover tags. So... Gotcha. Um, yeah. So yeah, sometime this summer, if Montana's got a bunch of leftover tags, that's going to mean that not nearly that many people applied compared to the last couple of years. Right. So, right. And then, and then Idaho has, I think they've got like 15,000 tags that are, they're like first come first serve over the counter. And those are usually available all the way into late August. And I know last year they were sold out. They sold out the earliest they've ever sold out. And I, I don't remember the date, but it was way earlier in August. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if they're, if they have a bunch of leftover and they're, they're going all the way into late August, that'd be an indicator that not as many people are, are purchasing tags. So, yeah. Well, the guy that I go mule deer hunting with in South Dakota, he, he called me up the other day or was it last month? And he's like, Hey dude, my, and he wasn't going to come with me this year. But then he tells me, Hey man, I got, uh, my, my elk hunt got canceled because the guide is canceling all of his, he's canceling everything because everybody else is canceling with him. So it's not efficient for him to just have one crew run one group of guys the entire season. You know, he he has to go up, he do all the work to set up camp and all the supplies and stuff. And then only run one crew out of there he's like i'm sorry but it's just not it's not worth it to me so he so the guy calls me up and he's like hey man i this got canceled am i still good to go mule deer hunting i'm like oh yeah absolutely man so now uh the the guy who uh, slammed that giant last year he's coming with me uh again to a south dakota hunt and yeah i think we stopped we stopped at one gas station. So I'm like, I feel, I don't feel like these Western hunts, especially when you're backpacking. Now, if you're hunting out of a hotel and going out to eat every single night, those, you know, maybe I would think about changing things up, but man, we're, we're tent camping. You know, we, we stayed in a hotel because we could the, the night that we ended up shooting the, the buck. But, you know, if we didn't have to, we didn't, you know, if we didn't need to, we didn't have to, you know what I mean? Right. Yep. So, so yeah, man, I I don't know. I, I'm just uh, I'm in a weird state right now, in a state of like I want to be doing more as, as far as you know, getting ready to you know all the gear. You know, I'm I, I went on a weighted pack hike. Was it two nights ago? I I've started my my uh, summer routine just a little bit early to get in shape for the Western hunts. But I'm in a weird state right now where throughout the entire day I have to watch my kids and it's it's i'm not gonna say i'm not focused on hunting right now but it's definitely not in my face like i want it to be right yeah so yeah 
I hear you. It's uh, it's just a weird time. I hope that uh, moving forward, it uh, kind of everything calms down, and it seems like everything that our country did is uh, working. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a win, dude. So yep. let me let me ask you this. Um, we got we got some time just to BS here today, and I want to talk to you about things other like outdoor activities other than hunting like let's just say bow hunting right we we talk about elk hunting we talk about mule deer, hunt, mule deer hunting what about fishing do you do you have any type of bucket list fishing trip that you would go on oh yeah um <clears throat> dude i love fishing probably as much as i love bow hunting if i didn't if i didn't love fishing so much i would probably be I don't know how you'd quantify it, but there is some percentage that I would be better at bow hunting because <laughs> I put more time into it. But right. I, I mean, my it's it's honestly it's a for me it's about a sixty percent of the year I'm fishing and only forty percent is focused on you know hunting and that's you know because hunting is involved outside of the season. So, um, but you should, you know there's only what three four months to really do to actually hunt. Um, so yeah, no, there's, there's some pretty good bucket list. Uh, this year I checked one off. I went to Cuba and I caught a tarpon. Um, that was a big, like saltwater is definitely like bucket list material just because, you well, know, don't live by any saltwater. Um, and yeah, the tarpon that I, I caught a few tarpon and they weren't, you know, a mature tarpons like 80 pounds or more. And the ones that we caught were all juveniles and they were all, you know, 10 to 15 pounds, but Still, um, it was an absolute blast. So to, you know, kind of check that off, I would still like to do like a big, like, um, I know like Costa Rica, you can go like open to the, the river systems and you're fishing rivers that really aren't that big. They're maybe 50, 60 yards wide and you're, uh, stripping streamers on a fly rod for, for jungle tarpon. Um, and they're, you know, they're 60 to 80 to 120 pounds. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, I've heard from what I've heard and researched, there's, you know, there's monkeys in all the trees, you know, making all the noise (laughs) and stuff like that. And I just, I just think that'd be such a cool experience. Um, so that's a big bucket list for me. It's, it's more of an expensive trip. So I'm going to have to save up for it, but, um, yeah. And then. I don't know. I've never been to Alaska. Yeah. I think uh, doing an Alaska fishing trip would be, would be a, an awesome time. Yeah. So how, what about you? I want to, I want to do some kind of South America fishing trip as well, but I want to do those top water poppers for peacock bass. Yeah. And I know you can, they have, sometimes they have peacock bass in Florida, I think, but I think they're transplanted there. They're not native to Florida, but I, I want to go, because the videos that I've seen and these peacock bass can get pretty big, but, uh, I would love to do a top water peacock bass trip. I don't know wherever they, they are in South America. Um, I would, obviously I want to learn how to fly fish someday. I have all the equipment, but it's just right now it's kind of just sitting there. I, some guy actually, I I said, I feel bad because I had this guy who reached out to me the last time I talked about fly fishing. And he, and I said, he goes, man, do you have any flies? I said, no. He's like, give me your address. So this dude handmade some flies for me and I haven't even used them yet. And I feel like garbage because uh, I want to use them. Yeah. That's what, uh, do you know what type of flies they were, like what uh, they were for? Uh, fish. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he, they're, they're not like the very small flies that you would go that just kind of float on top of the water. They're a little bit bigger. I, some of them are probably the size of my pinky finger. Okay. And then there's some that are just a hair smaller, but then the bigger ones probably the size of my middle finger with a big yeah. longer tail on it. So I'm not sure what you would catch with that. But, um, another fishing trip that I want to do is, and it's not necessarily about the size of the fish. It's more about, just disappearing off the radar for a while. I want to take a float plane. I want to drive into Canada with my family and then put us on a float plane. And then we fly into a private lake where there's no, we're in the middle of nowhere. And the guy pretty much just says, Hey, listen, uh, 
you know, there's the cabin. No one's going to be back for five days. So five days, you be ready. And, you know, they will, uh, they'll come pick you up in five days and just kind of isolate yourself. No contact to the outside world and just wake up fish, you know, eat your food, uh, catch, eat what you catch, you know, and some of these, some of these places have, you know, pike and walleye in them. And, uh, and that's, that's what you're eating is just whatever you catch and just kind of zone out for a while. I think that would be a pretty cool adventure, but you know, the, the older I get, and I mentioned this the other day to a a buddy of mine, I said, dude, I love whitetails. But I want to do different things. I want to get into this these adventure type scenarios, and even if it's not necessarily, you know, revolve around hunting, just going on adventures. I think that would be. I'm, I'm doing a lot more research. I definitely want to get out to Colorado and climb a 14er, as well. Wow, wow, good for you. I um, yeah, I, I hear you on adventure. I, I honestly think that adventure fuels the soul i think it fuels the soul differently for everyone but uh i know for me personally my wife a couple of my friends um adventure is like the number one priority in our life and uh i think that's why i gravitate to um floating down rivers in michigan all as much as i possibly can because it's always just a mini adventure you know i've got a drift boat and you've got no motor so it's you know you put in at one point and your car you know you you spot a vehicle at the takeout and you know you've got anywhere from four to ten river miles ahead of you and whatever's in front of you you have to go through otherwise you're not getting off the river yeah so and i mean most of it's pretty well maintained by like forest service like any log jams and stuff like that that you can't get through are always cut out in a pretty timely manner but um yeah man it's uh it's a it's a mini adventure um, I've been, I've, I've always gravitated more towards, you know, big river trips last year. I did, a like a five nighter down, uh, what's the South fork of the flathead river. And that's up in the Bob Marshall wilderness of, um, of Montana. Um, that was a really cool, uh, experience. Fishing was pretty decent. A lot of cutthroat stuff like that. Um, all on the, you know, like top water flies and stuff like that. And then we were stripping streamers for bull trout which are catch and release only um caught a couple i i personally didn't i hooked a couple and lost them but um it was just a a scenic it was beautiful scenery and yeah uh, definitely an adventure we had to we had to hike in 25 miles and have an outfitter pack in our rafts and our food and our cooler so we did a two-night hike or sorry a two-day hike um slept we did 14 miles the first day pitched camp and then finished the hike the 12 miles or 11 mile whatever it was the second day uh that was a grueling experience turns out we could have paid 300 bucks to ride a horse the 25 <laughs> miles I didn't, I didn't know that the group i went with was just it was like yep we got to hike 25 miles blah 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 this is how we're going to do it I didn't think anything of it because I, I flew out there and I went with a bunch of guys that are from uh, Monta- Montana and Idaho. And, uh, yeah, I woke up the second day and my, I mean, my knees hurt so bad. I had blisters and stuff like that. And I was like, dude, I'm going to crawl to the trail. <laughs> and the guy with the horses with all our camp, I'm just going to have him pick me up. And finish. <laughs> And they were like, oh, you could have just paid 300 bucks and did the whole trip. I was like, what? You didn't tell me that. Right. I just, I, you showed it. I thought this was a fishing trip. You show up yeah. in flip flops and then right. you have to find out you're, you're hiking 25 miles. Yeah. By the time, by the time I got to like the put in, like I was, my feet were so nuked. I lost a toenail due to a blister. Like I couldn't walk right for like the first, like three days of the float. And I was like, I could just knowing that I could have avoided all that. And everyone was like, Oh, but think about how sore you would be from sitting on a horse for 25 miles. And I was like, I'll take that at this yeah. point. I will take that option. Yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, I think this year we're doing, uh, I just looked at flights for Montana and I have no idea if they'll, you know, if they're going to, it'll be all right. But my wife and I, we bought flights for, uh, early July to go out to Montana. They're freaking dirt cheap. And we're going to do a float trip down, I want to say the 
the Snake River or something like that. I think that's in Idaho. So I don't I don't know all the details. My buddies that live out there, they just invite me, tell me the dates, and we just kind of go and join them on it. So yeah, absolutely, man, but, absolutely. Yep. Well, my friend, um, anything else that you want to say before we cut her loose today? Not really. Oh, you got any tips on turkey hunting? <laughs> uh, call them in and then shoot them in the face. That's yeah, like, perfect. that's all I know how to do. I mean, I am a, uh, uh, that's how I was raised. I mean, I used to, I, I cut my teeth on river bottom turkeys and where I cut my teeth in Iowa, there were so many of them that you just literally had to sit down against a tree and start calling and then they would come in right off the roost and fly down they'd land however you know you just work your way up close to them uh while they're gobbling in the tree set up about 100 yards you start calling maybe you put out decoys maybe you don't and they just work their way right up and i mean it was i I felt like it was cheating at some point it's like i thought there was supposed to be some kind of skill to this and i went on in this huge run where i was killing turkeys every single year on like the first day of the hunt maybe not right out at first light but you know maybe two or three hours into it and it really wasn't until like five years since after i started turkey hunting that i had to actually start working for them i know what i mean is working for them hard i mean show like going in and you know after dealing with them being henned up you know what i mean so yeah. uh you know then you know you learn a little bit and then for me i was i was a running gun hunter so i was i had my shotgun and i had my turkey calls and that was it and maybe a bottle of water in my pocket and uh and maybe some decoys i don't know and you just kind of run around the, the public ground and, and you chase gobbles all day long or you'll you'll walk 100 yards up the river you sit down call again and at some point something's coming in or you locate one or you roost one from that day and you go back and then the next day you call them off the roost and you shoot them in the face so so like i'm and plus like you said i don't put that much effort into turkey i mean i love talking about turkey i love turkey hunting but as far as the strategy is concerned i guess over the years i've had so much so much success with call them and wait for them to come in and then shoot them that I didn't necessarily need to learn any other skill outside of that because I've had so many encounters doing it that way that, you know, the whole getting into the crazy details about Turkey, where they roost or where they strut, how they breed and all that stuff. It's like, I put all my energy towards deer hunting that Turkey hunting is just kind of secondary and it's fun thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, it seems it seems pretty basic. I mean, yeah. all the with all the shed hunting and scouting I've done, I've found plenty of turkey sign, dust bowls, whatever. And yeah, it's kind of like, well, I'll probably just go check those spots out, uh, you know, right at first light, or you know, get there, you know, before it gets light out, see what I hear, do some calling, and see what responds. But yeah, plan on being pretty mobile, and I don't know, see what happens. Kind of yeah, like, uh, yeah, first year going doing it on my own, doing it solo. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and then this year, you know, I decided to take the bow with me, and it's just a whole different. You know, I start in a. So the last the last two times this year, I've had my kids with me, so it's not like I can really go run and gun through the woods, through the public. But what I've done is, um, so tomorrow when I wake up early, I'm going to start in a blind, try to call them in, try to locate them out. But once they dis- once they start moving. Or once they come down, if they quiet up and they're not coming into the decoys, then I'll probably hop out of the blind and start being a little bit more mobile uh, in the timber. So we'll see what happens. Gotcha. Well, good luck to you, man. Yeah, good luck to you, man. Thanks for your time. Good catching up. And uh, good luck uh, in the turkey woods. And if you do any more fishing this year, man. Thanks. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast is in the history vaults. Huge shout out to Bob, man. Really appreciate him hopping on not only this podcast, but the uh, Hunting Gear podcast as well. Huge shout out to him. Huge shout out to all the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. What do we got here? We have the uh, Lone Wolf, Wasp, 
We have the average conservationist. We have Ozonics. And we have Vortex Optics. Ozonics, Wasp, Lone Wolf, Average Conservationist, Vortex Optics. That's all of them. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast because it comes full circle. Right? They support me. I put out great content. I tell you about these great brands and these great companies. And then now you go and buy <laughs> buy that stuff. So they pay me again. So that's kind of how it works in the real world. Uh, I think that's it, man. If you're not already uh, following the Nine Finger Chronicles on Instagram and Facebook, be sure to do that. If you're not already following the Sportsman's Nation on Instagram and Facebook, please do that. And uh, I think if you're not subscribed to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcast, search Nine Finger Chronicles and subscribe to it. It's pretty easy to do and I get uh, it's badass content. I'm not going to lie. I think I have a good podcast. I hope that doesn't make me sound cocky, but I feel it's really good. And especially, uh, it's relatable, and it's I have guests who are knowledgeable, and uh, I love talking about hunting and fishing just like everybody else does. So, download, listen, all that good stuff. And remember, last but not least, last but not least, remember, 2020 is about giving back. <laughs>